The reading from this morning comes from the book of John, 23 through 29, chapter 14. Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who has sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. Blessed be the word of Christ. So our text today comes to us from John, and it's a continuation of that speech uh, that we talked about last week, Jesus' final farewell speech. And as I told the young people in this, in this speech, Jesus is promising peace even as they are preparing for the chaos that is coming, what Jesus is saying is, I'm leaving, and I will not be with you anymore, but I'm leaving you my peace. And how is that peace brought about? It's by following the words of God, the Father, which came through Jesus, and through the Helper, the, uh, the Counselor, the, in Greek, it's called the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, who comes to teach you all you need to know and help you to remember all of those things. This is one of those rare texts, and I should say they are rare, where we have the, 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 all that folks who came up with the idea of the Trinity kind of got that concept. In this text, in this little section here, we see the Godhead being uh, addressed. Uh, Jesus is talking about himself, in, and, but in talking about himself in relationship to the Father who is greater than he, who sent him, and in whose words he is speaking on God's behalf. And then talks about, again, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, that will come and be the counselor, be the helper. Helper is probably the best translation or the advocate is some of your translations might might say there that's another good one a helper uh, and so we see all three personages of the trinity kind of played out here although a little a little different what i want to say is that john and the early church did not have this all worked out in fact there was a lot of lot of conflict in the early church about exactly who jesus was what was the identity of Jesus was Jesus 
just a guy who was really in tune with what God wants in the world? Was he a prophet or anything like that? No, Jesus was the Son of God. Well, what does that mean? You know, the Son of God, uh, begotten, not, not made, right? <laughs> begotten of God. Uh, and they kind of struggle. Okay, what is, they're, they're not sure what that means. Does that mean Jesus is a, a lower deity or an additional deity? Can you see how the early church, they struggled because as, as good church-going Jews, they were monotheistic, <laughs> right? They didn't want anything that smacked of pantheism because then, then we're in, you know, all that pagan Roman stuff, right? So how do you remain monotheistic and yet acknowledge Jesus as something special and remarkable and unique and also acknowledge God, the Creator, and also acknowledge the Holy Spirit which comes uh, to every believer uh, as shown to us in Pentecost in Acts, which is coming up here pretty soon. So you can see how the early church had to struggle with this. And there were, there were those among them who, who didn't like it, some of those ideas of, of Jesus being deity or Jesus being kind of deity. And then was Jesus made by God or was Jesus always there? Well, John in his gospel tries to answer that right off the bat. What does John say? In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. I got in a fight once in, in, when I was a youth pastor and I was preaching because I had talked about Jesus being, being God and uh, someone took exception to that. No, he's son of God. I said, well, your objection's not with me, it's with John. John's the one who said that Jesus is God. I don't mind that you object to that, but it's not, don't argue with me about it. I'm going from t the text, right? <laughs> John says, in the beginning was the word, the logos, which is Jesus, uh, uh, and the word was God. Okay, so obviously John certainly feels like Jesus is the incarnation of God. That's the some of the language they come up with. But it takes a long time to come up with this this Trinitarian business, this three in one. You know, like the apple or the clover, uh, the the three leaf clover, or any of those kinds of things. It takes them a while. Uh, although early on, some uh, you know Ignatius uh, starts to talk about in Trinitarian language the you know uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They start to use greetings like that. You know, greetings to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Ignatius and uh, Justin Martyr. You kind of start seeing them in the second century, and then a guy named Theophilus. Uh, from Antioch, He's, he actually coins the phrase Trinity. He starts using the word Trinity. It's nowhere in the Bible, but uh, Theophilus coined that phrase. But, and when Theophilus talked about the Trinity, he talked about God, uh, Theos, Totheos, and then uh, Hologos Totheu, Totheu, rather, uh, the Word of God, and then Sophia Totheu, the wisdom of God. And so for Theophilus, when he said, talked about the Trinity, he talked about God and the Word of God, which is Jesus, and the wisdom of God, which is the Holy Spirit. And that's the kind of the way uh, he wrapped his head around that. 
And it's really not until, and, and, and around the third century, you know, they call this Council of Nicaea in about 325, and there's a lot of argument between some factions. There is, first of all, the, the adoptionist group. And this, the adoptionist group doesn't feel like, they, they deny the deity of Christ. They say, no, Jesus was adopted by God. And we can see this in Mark when the Holy Spirit comes as a dove and, and the, and the Holy Spirit enters into Jesus and the dove, you know, a voice from heaven says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, they would point to that and say, see, Jesus just got adopted there. A lot less paperwork than today. Uh, but, <laughs> but there you go. No, but then there were the Sibelians, uh, who were falling after, uh, Sibelian, uh, another theologian who said, no, Jesus is, is co-equal with God. No one's talking about the Holy Spirit yet, but Jesus is co-equal with God. And the church in Rome burned him at the stake for it. They killed him. Said he was a heretic. And lo and behold, a few years later, they're, they're affirming that in the creed. So civilian folks, uh, they had to fight hard for this concept, but basically they come up with it. And then there were the Arians who felt that, God, that Jesus was something a little separate, but still deified. So there's, this, there's all this struggle going on to try to articulate or figure out what exactly do we mean when we talk about... Uh, all these separate things going on. It used to be easy. We would just talk about Yahweh. And Yahweh was it. But now we have to deal with the remarkable life of uh, death and resurrection of Jesus as the Son of God and that Holy Spirit that is so manifest in the early church in so many different ways. And it really wasn't until the 4th century when Basil of uh, Caesarea and Gregory of Nyssa finally came up with this concept of, of uh, all three being equal but different, right? E Co-equal. And, and Jesus being the very nature and essence of God. Actually, there's a big fight over those words. Essence, they reject, but the very nature... Uh, they, they kind of accept. And I won't get into the Greek. I've already bored you enough with this stuff. But <laughs> they, they, they fight over these little words. And what does it really mean? So why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this first to say that this, this concept that perhaps many of us probably just take for granted was not a, a given right from the beginning. It takes four centuries to even come up with the, to articulate fully the idea of the Trinity. And even then, everyone, uh, you know, Basil uh, of, of uh, Caesarea, he was not happy with the language they ultimately chose. So there was not vast agreement on these things. And yet here they are try, struggling to try and make sense of what is this thing we have this connection we have the other reason I bring this up is that here we have Jesus uh, in this one section and in this concept of the Trinity we have being lifted up the necessity for diversity even in the Godhead how incredible it is that we worship a God that cannot be articulated it cannot be fully understood or grasped in just one concept. 
I, I often see this bumper sticker that says, you're, my God is too big for your church or your label or your, you know, your one denomination, something like that. But, uh, you know, how incredible it is that we worship a God that, that has to be kind of, we, the only way to fully understand that God is to see God at work in different personages, different ways, in different, you know, three different distinct identities is the only way to fully understand. I kind of like that because it affirms our diversity. It affirms that each of us has an experience with Christ in ourselves, that each of us has experienced Jesus, has experienced a communion with God, and that that is unique to you. But we cannot fully understand our connection to God without each other. Amen? That my experience with God paired with your experience of God gives us a fuller understanding of the God we worship. Amen? And, the, and I like the Trinity because it seems to affirm this notion that you have to have diversity to really have a full grasp of who God is and what God is about. I think that's wonderful. Because we are very different from one another and we do have our experiences that lead us to that and I want to affirm that today a little bit Jesus here promises the counselor the helper the advocate the paraclete who comes to us and shows us who God is well if that's true how do I make sense of the fact that I experience the Holy Spirit telling me one thing and Dawn experiences the Holy Spirit showing her something else. And in fact, sometimes it seems completely opposite. And yet, Jesus promises us that our experiences point us to God and help us understand. And you know, so often we we kind of downplay our own personal experiences as having validity. But here I think Jesus encourages us that that Holy Spirit that you feel inside, those things that point us toward good faithfulness and, and righteousness and rightness in the world, we ought to listen to that. We ought to pay attention to that Holy Spirit. That thing that draws us close to God. And I suppose that's the other thing, the other reason I bring this up today. Is you know, the Bible talks about God, and perhaps the reason the early church was so, was okay with, with letting monotheism go is because the, the first century version of Judaism had pushed God so far away that you couldn't even say God's name. You couldn't, you couldn't say Yahweh. You couldn't say the, God's name. You had to come up with some other crazy thing for it because they were so afraid of getting God's attention for nothing in particular and taking the Lord's name in vain that they just didn't even want to say it at all for fear that it would get God's attention. And so God had become so far away in fact, it was, it was almost, God was so transcendent, much of the theology of the time said that you couldn't really understand or grasp God. And that's why we needed angels to kind of intercede between ourselves and God, because we couldn't, we couldn't 
you know, have a relationship with God. And then Jesus came and, and seemed to confront that and confound that and brought us into a personal experience with God. And then Jesus left. Jesus died on a cross, was resurrected and ascended to heaven and now sits on the right hand of God. And so we can't walk with Jesus the way they did before. But what do we have? We have the Holy Spirit. And what that means is that we can experience a connection, a communion, a relationship with God even today. A communion and a relationship with Jesus Christ even today. Through the Holy Spirit. Something that is inside of us. Not something that's out there that can be hidden away or taken away or, or, or pushed away. But it's in here. What an incredible gift this Holy Spirit, this counselor, this helper, this advocate. What an incredible gift that is to have the very essence of God in Trinitarian talk, in, in Nicene Creed talk, to have the very character of God inside each of us. What incredible implications that has for our relationship with God and, quite frankly, our relationship with each other. If I'm looking at you, Dustin, and I'm aware that there's a chunk of God inside you, I better watch what I say <laughs> or how I feel about Him, right? I better watch how I talk about who He is and what He's about. It's a gift we have, this sense of God's presence through that, gift, through that promised Holy Spirit. Believe in the Trinity, don't believe in the Trinity. It doesn't especially, it's not, on a practical level, it doesn't especially matter. But the gift that we have from that is that the fullness of God is understood as we engage these three things. And that a little piece of God through the Holy Spirit is here with us. And that's what connects us to this Jesus we worship and follow and this God who loves us so deeply. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, as we, as we contemplate this, this uh, somewhat arcane and yet still relevant conversation about the Trinity, help us to not get stuck there, but to recognize that we do know You. That Your Holy Spirit stirs in us when we when we open up Your Word, when we think about who You are, when we pray to You, when we sing Your songs, and we know You, and You know us. And that is a gift. May we embrace and receive that gift every day of our life. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.